Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, good to have you all here this morning. And I just, I'm excited for this word today. It's a word that God had just been really just putting in my heart for the last three weeks or so. And it's it's, you know, you may find this, like Jared said, a little bit uncomfortable at times. Um, and, and I hope that we can still be friends at the end of this service. You laugh now, but you have no idea what I'm going to say. <laughs> hey, um, I heard this amazing, or read this amazing uh, account of a guy called uh, John Ramirez, um, who is now a pastor in the States. And he, um, before he was a pastor, he was a full-on devil worshipper. So he was, uh, yep, batting for the other team. And he would actually, he was so extreme that he would sacrifice animals and um, as part of his satanic rituals. And his friends called him Lucifer's son. So, you know, he's not your usual kind of -of run-of-the-mill guy. He was really intense, and he had a real mission and assignment from that demonic realm over his his life. Uh, The devil said, I could use you, basically like God is saying, I could use you. (laughs) And um, if you're here today and, you know, you you, you don't know what it is to um, be in relationship with Jesus Christ and, and understand those dimensions of the spirit realm, then that's okay. Um, we believe that your body, soul, and spirit, and there is actually a war for your soul. There's a war for your eternity. And so this guy, John, he could um, take a stand in the spirit realm against Christians who are not praying, he said. He, um, he would actually go into a region and he would be able to feel the climate, uh, the spiritual climate of that region. And he said that he was most effective in Satanism when the Christians were prayerless. And so that was in any neighborhood region um, that wasn't saturated with prayer. He actually owned that environment. And so he could have authority to actually, you know, let the devil's will reign and rule in that town. However, he said that when he came into neighborhoods where the Christians were praying, it was like those believers in that region were actually spiritually holding hands in agreement together. And they were actually, you know, they didn't know this, but they were actually able to drive him out of the neighborhood. And he said that his, his mission for demonic control was essentially aborted because the Christians had power, they had access to power that he did not have access to. <laughs> I want to remind you this morning that you have access to great power when you come into agreement with that great power. When you adopt the perspectives of that great power, there is devil-busting power available to bring into your reality and into the context of your, of your world. And I want to encourage you 
to be people who intercede for your family, for your neighbourhood, for your region, for the loved ones, you know, for your husband's wives, for your workplaces, and, and actually get on the front foot and onto the, into that place of victory in your own life. And, and I want to give a plug to our 6pm prayer time tonight. That is an opportunity where we can come together to stand for the kingdom and against the agenda of Satan, <laughs> of the enemy in this region. You know, Jesus doesn't want you just to tolerate the things that irritate you in your life, especially if they're the kind of things that he gave his life for so that you could access the victory and live in that victory, eh? Yeah, come on. He, he wants you to, um, to live with a sense of assurance and agreement with His call, His worth, His, his value. And he, he wants you to possess your life fully and possess the kingdom that He's calling you to in the realm that you're called to in life. It's not a passive stance. It's actually quite an aggressive um, posture to agree with God's assignment and then agree with every authority that He has given you and put at your disposal. You're raised up with Christ and seated in heavenly places. You know, this is a place of authority that you have. Turn to your neighbor and just tell them that you were born to win. Just tell them, you were, you were born to win. It's time to agree with victory. It's time to agree with the victory mindset that Christ wants you to adopt for your life. We're going to just read from 1 Samuel 13 um, here. And this is the account of uh, Jonathan and his armor bearer. And God spoke powerfully to me um, one day up on the top of Okuku Pass when I was in a desperate place in my business. And I'd gone for a, I drove up there and said, God, what, what? I just don't have enough resources. I don't know what I'm doing. And he led me to the scripture and just showed me um, that the platform of victory is actually a whole lot to do with our mindset and our faith, not necessarily our resources. Let's go there. So it says, Saul and his son, Jonathan, and the men were with them were staying in Gebir of Benjamin while the Philistines camped at Michmash. Raiding parties went out from the Philistine camp in three detachments. Not a blacksmith could be found in the whole land of Israel because the Philistines had said, otherwise the Hebrews will make swords or spears. So all Israel went down to the Philistines to have their plowshares, mattocks, axes and sickles sharpened. The price was two-thirds of a shekel for sharpening plowshares and mattocks and a third of a shekel for sharpening forks and axes and for repointing goads. So on the day of the battle, not a soldier with uh, Saul and Jonathan actually had a saw or a spear in his hand. Only Saul and his son Jonathan had them. Can you imagine how excited the Philistines were, the enemies of the Israelites were, when they came to them, when the Israelites came to the Philistines and said, we have no weapons. All we have are our gardening trowels, our sharp pointy objects. 
can you please sharpen them? And can we pay you for this? Can you sharpen these things that were never meant for battle so that we could defend ourselves against you, the sharpener of our trowels? (laughs) That's messed up. That is a messed up vision for victory. That is a messed up perspective that these guys had for a sense of like, I am a mighty army. I am a not so mighty army. In fact, I'm more like a gardener. And watch out. I'm going to turn you over when you come up to me. I'm going to prune you. But I'm not. I don't know if I'm going to beat you. How can I when I'm just holding this trowel and you've got a sword and you've got everything that it needs that you need for victory? Let's not, let's make sure that we don't give credit to the enemy by living with a small vision. That's what I want to say to you first up. So today, I don't so much have a a pretty kind of message. I want to call you into a stance of a big vision again for your life. I want to remind you again that you have weapons at your disposal that are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. I want to remind you that they don't look small, the weapons of God. They don't look insignificant and they're not designed just to keep you safe on a defensive posture. The weapons that God wants to put you in your life and in your hand are actually mighty for victory and they are mighty to save. Jesus doesn't have a vision for you just to have your trowel sharpened. He's thinking way bigger than than I could ever, the Bible says, ask, hope, dream, or imagine. His vision for you is wild. His dreams are extravagant. And and it's it's hard to say that we could actually tame Jesus' vision for our lives. He's so dynamic and so incredibly hopeful over your life. And will you agree with the victory that He has for you today? You know, sometimes on the road to agree with something, First of all, we have, to, we have to disagree with something else. And so the first thing that we need to do if we want to adopt a posture of victory and an agreement with victory today, I believe, is to disagree with a small vision for our lives. You know, if we listen to the enemy, he's just going to feed us a steady stream of lies that will keep us isolated from the extravagant promises of God. it's a day to recalibrate. It's a day to hope again. It's a day to break agreements with a small vision. It's a day to hop off the back foot, maybe for some here, and go, I can get on the front foot of my life again. I just want to pray for you right now. Jesus, I just thank you for every soul in this room, from the front to the back, God. I just thank you that you have not given anyone in this room a diminishing vision. 
that you have not given anyone a small vision. You've not given any family identity and legacy across any family. You've not said, oh, they can just have a small one. And so right now, God, whether we know it or not, we break agreements with a small vision in Jesus' name. And we open our hearts and our spirits to the extravagance of your, of your heart and your vision for our lives and our family again. So church, let me remind you again of your current status in Christ Jesus from 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone and the new is here. So when we come to Christ, we're born into this whole new reality and way of doing life. We're born again. We're born into a new culture. We're born into a a culture of victory. It's a culture of identity. It's a culture of son and daughtership. It is, and and what we're what we're coming out of is we're coming out of an orphan mindset. We're coming out of a place of poverty. We're coming out of a fight for for survival and a and a defensive mindset. When you are born again, you are born into a whole new world view. It's a whole new way of looking at life. The old is gone and the new has come. See, 2,000 years ago, Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish religious council, said to Jesus, you must have come from God because no one could perform the miraculous signs that you, know, that you do if God wasn't with him. See, Nicodemus could see this hard evidence that Jesus had a culture around his life that was a world away from his own way of of viewing life. His own religious box, his own framework, he was going, you must be of God because you're so, so different. And then Jesus answered him in John 3, 3, said, Nicodemus, listen to this eternal truth. Before a person can perceive God's kingdom realm, they must first experience a rebirth. See, Jesus is saying, you can't receive this culture by adding it on to what you already have. You can't just add kingdom culture onto your normal worldview. You can't add the kingdom onto brokenness. You can't add the kingdom onto a poverty mindset. You can't add the kingdom onto rejection. You can't add it on to just kind of another way of experiencing joy in your life. You've actually got to go right back and you've got to be born again over here and go, okay, Jesus, I want you to be the center of my life. Now, now, what do I do with my hurt? Okay, let's surrender that. Let's, let's get reborn into wholeness. What do I do with my poverty? Okay, let's get reborn into a prosperity mindset. What do I do with my isolation and rejection? I'm going to get reborn here into healing. And so Jesus takes us on this process. And when I say born again, like there's a whole, like it doesn't happen in an instant. There's actually growth and there's a working out of those salvations again, but it's the starting point has changed. The referent point has changed. Your why has changed for, for why we do what we do. I love what Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and everything else 
will be given to you. And that everything else, that was in the context of that scripture, that was all the worries and they're like, oh, you know, how am I going to get my food? How am I going to get my clothes? Where am I going to live? And Jesus is like, stop worrying. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. Hit reset on everything. And so I believe in this season that it's just, I want to remind you that there's new opportunities out there. There's a new creation you. (laughs) That's just waiting It's just waiting for what God is doing fresh in this coming season for your life. And we can only go there if we actually have a born again, sanctified, justified world view of life. We're born into the Father's kingdom. You're no longer an orphan. You're no longer separated. You're a son and a daughter carrying a fresh boldness because his identity in you is totally unshakable. Let's get back to the story. Now it says, Now a detachment of Philistines had gone out to to the pass at Michmash. One day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under the pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600 men on each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outposts of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord, put up your hand, no. Uh, Perhaps, (laughs) perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. I love this. See, Jonathan totally disagreed with a restricted vision, with the diminished vision of sitting under a tree waiting for life to happen. He says, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. See, the secret that he had with his bold vision was determined by the Lord's power to save despite the odds. Despite the overwhelming odds, he decided he would put all his chips in one corner and say, I completely trust in you, God, to save me. In this moment, Jonathan said, come on then, we'll cross over towards them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we'll stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. Sweet. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes that they were hiding in. They're probably coming with their trowels. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, Come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Climb up to me. The Lord has given them into the hands of Israel. The second agreement of victory that I want to encourage you all with today is that we need to face our reality with faith. We need to face, face, that's hard to say, face our reality with faith. John Bevere said, faith and obedience are inseparable because obedience is the evidence of true faith. See, these were ridiculous odds. 
just two guys against an entire army. The enemy has higher ground. They've got a strategic advantage. They're looking down at Jonathan and they're intimidating them and they're taunting them. But God says, go up, (laughs) rise up, run up. I've given you the power to overthrow the threat that is intimidating you in this season. The enemy is the one who is about to run. James 4 verse 7 says this, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. See, what are those things that appear to be a threat in your life? that intimidate you, that are actually requiring you to submit to them. When God's saying, submit to me, resist the devil, and he's the one that's about to run. You're not the one that's going to run away from this challenge in your life. The devil is going to run away. You know, if your marriage is under threat, it's because there's something great in your marriage that the enemy is afraid of. If your finances are under threat, there's something great that God wants to release through your wealth that the enemy is afraid of. If your children are under threat, it's because the enemy is trying to squash the greatness out of them. And I want to encourage you, church, not to back away from the threat. Let's not allow the enemy to keep us Impotent, though, by just focusing on our problems. Just instead of complaining about our weakness, let's face them with faith and with courage and from the perspective that God has given us to view the issues and challenges of life and rise up. Let's rise up in this season because it's in our weakness that He promises to make us strong. He... I mean, I'm all for empathy and I've got a pastoral heart and I just want to, you know, get around you, give you a hug so you can do it. But today, that's Debbie's role. I want to challenge the heck out of you today to say, come on, rise up. Rise up. Don't submit to the devil. Submit to God. Submit to Him. Says Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In the first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. Then panic struck the whole army. This is the Philistines. Those in the camp and field and those in the outposts and the raiding parties and the ground shook and it was a panic that was sent by God. Saul's lookouts at Gibeah and Benjamin saw the army melting away in all directions. Then Saul said to the men who were with him, muster the forces and see who's left us. When they did, it was Jonathan and his armor bearer who were not there. Then Saul said, Then Saul and all his men assembled and went to the battle. They found the Philistines in total confusion, striking each other with their swords. Those Hebrews who had previously been with the Philistines had gone up with them to their camp, went over to the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. When all the Israelites who were hidden in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were on the run, they joined the battle in hot pursuit so that day the Lord saved Israel and the battle moved beyond Beth-Avon. 
It's an amazing picture of victory. And I love this picture of victory. I love how there was a catalyst of two men that formed the beachhead for an incredible rout of an army that saw a region liberated from oppression. I love this that there were that the people there were defected Hebrews on the Philistine side who they were like the the Israelites are useless. We're gonna go and you know, we're gonna fight for the Philistines. And they're like, no, the, the Philistines are useless. We're coming back. You know, there's this groundswell around what is happening with this victory, and they agreed, they saw something that was happening and said, I want to be a part of this moment. And they ran up to be, take part in that victory. The third agreement today is that corporate agreement releases regional freedom. And we want you as a church to agree with us as a governance team, as staff, as leaders, as volunteers, to all be on the same page that, that our heart is to see a region liberated. Our heart is to believe that when we pass on to go into you know, eternity, that we would have left a large God-sized footprint on this town. And we want you to come in in agreement with that today. One can put a thousand to flight. Two can send a legion fleeing. You can see the power of agreement right throughout Scripture. And I understand that at times our faith journey, you know, most of us, we have to kind of manage this tension between what God has said and reality, what we actually see. And I don't know where your reality is today, but I want to tell you that God is speaking victory over your life. God is speaking abundance over your life. One area, there's an area of agreement that I want to call you into today as a church. This is where it's going to get real, people. (laughs) I want to call this church into a greater agreement in regards to our finances and into kingdom finances. I want to call out you, and I I want to agree with your personal finances, the victory and and the sense of prosperity that you're called to carry around your bank account, (laughs) around the flow of income that comes in and out of your account. I want to call you into agreement that you're called to be a part of a church that has full of resources that is ready to respond to not only what God is calling us to do, but to the needs within this community. And I, I believe today that God wants to break some lies in regards to an orphan spirit around finances specifically, so that all we end up have ended up doing is just managing the little, just managing what we have, what we can do, and what we can only do in our own strength without opening up the doorway and the gateway to God's promises and His abundance and His vision for your financial breakthrough. And the enemy, he wants to come in and he wants to intimidate you. He wants to castrate the vision that God has for your finances to be multi-generational and to go further than your feet could ever go. God has got abundance in store for your finances. And He is a loving Father 
And it's a part of the expression of wealth and abundance that he carries in heaven. I mean, the, the streets people are made with gold. It's not shingle up there. It's just like this for him. Like it's, it's good. It's just a response to generosity. It's part of his nature. And he's calling us though to have a born again mindset around our finances. He did everything. Jesus Christ did everything on the cross when he wore the crown of thorns. The crown of thorns represented the toil and the weeds that grew up when the ground was cursed when Adam and Eve sinned. There was toil that came upon our labor and it just got hard. But Jesus flipped the switch, hit the reset button on the cross when he took the toil on himself. He took your toil on, on himself in that moment so that your workplace expression and experience would be vibrant, free. It would, you would be in sync with your personality and you would be liberated with purpose in your work environment. Like that's what Jesus did on the cross. He's done everything for us and now he's asking us for our part in the recipe of victory and our agreement with what he has done for us. And I believe he's calling us to, to financial freedom. And there have been, you know, there's, there's some of this church who have, have gone up the mountain. You know, they've done the Jonathan and the armor bearer moment. They've gone up and seen the victory. They've gone up and said, I can route the poverty spirit in my own family and, and in this region. And there's a disturbance that's been created at Thrive Church around our resources. We're, we're, we are excited about what's going on. We've got a better income than we've ever had before of, of coming in. And that's really cool. We're breaking even in budget. Yes, that's fantastic. But we want to send the spirit of poverty running. We want to send it running, not only from this church, but over our region. God has a vision for your financial breakthrough. He says in Malachi 3 verse 10 that He desires to throw, throw, throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you won't have room enough to contain it. Like, don't get me wrong, I, I think that's spiritual, supernatural as well, but I believe 100% that that is also physical blessing. The Old Testament, there's another scripture about God throwing open man, the floodgates of heaven, and that is specifically related to financial breakthrough with three lepers. Read the story sometime. It says this, though, in, Ma in Malachi 3 verse 8, Will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me, you ask. How do we rob you in tithes and offerings? How do we rob you in tithes and offerings? God's going, there's a disagreement here. I've got something for you, but you need to come into agreement with what I have for you before it can be released to you. When you come into this agreement, I want to bless you. I am, I am wholehearted with the vision to see financial provision released into your life and into your families. But the problem is, the Scripture says, is actually you're withholding something from me and you've isolated yourself 
because you feel insecure in regards to your provision. You don't, this is, this is the nation of Israel here. This is not you people. No, I'm not talking about you. I'm like, <laughs> you know, Jesus talked about money more than any other subject in the Bible. But when Jesus was talking about money, he wasn't talking about money. He was talking about trust. He was talking, will you trust me with your finances? Will you trust me so that the breakthrough can be accessed through faith? Because without faith, it's all impossible to please God. That's a New Testament scripture. Let's go back to Malachi 3.10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That's 10% of your income. And I love, like, God's a genius. When he came up with the structure, he's like, it's not just a set amount. It's not like 300 bucks for everyone. It's like, this is going to be proportional to your income. This is a percentage of your income that is going to enable you to, to bring provision to the house of God and to open a gateway of blessing for your life. And he says, so... Bring the whole tithe to the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. This is like a, hey guys, I'm putting my own name and reputation on the line here. Test me in this and see that I will not, see if I will not throw, man, I can't say throw today, throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there'll be not enough room to store it. You know, at this point, I would usually bring a really cool, encouraging testimony. Like, man, when, you know, Jared gave $20,000, he brought, like, God gave him 50 back. There are incredible stories. But I just want to let the Word of God be the Word of God today. Is this the Word of God for you, or is it not? Will you say that's just Old Testament? So I can't digest that. The problem is, is that when you pass that through the cross, Jesus said, be incredibly generous. In fact, he said to the rich young ruler, give it all away. Yeah. He's coming back for a glorious bride. Not for a, like a just scraping through with some secondhand gear kind of, you know, chick. He's like, I want this. She's got to be, you know. He loves his church, and he doesn't want to see his church with limited resources. And I believe it was a wrestle for me to share this with you because I don't like you thinking that I'm personally asking for your money. I'm not. What I'm doing is I'm coming in line with Scripture, and I felt like the Holy Spirit has just been saying to me over the last week, if I don't speak about this, I'm withholding the, the breakthrough from you guys. When you activate your faith and your finances, what's God going to do? I can't live with that. I don't want you to just kind of go through life just like living like everyone else with your wee trowel. Come on, upgrade. Get in line with God's vision for your finances. Like I said, there's some people at Thrive, They're just doing so well. And from the income that we received into Thrive during 2018 and 2019, 
50% of those donations were given by 27 people. Just imagine what we could achieve as a church in this community if everyone, that is around 200 families, said, oh, that's the word of God. (laughs) I want to take a step of faith. 27 people. You know, there's 45% of those 27 people are on our staff and our governance team. Um, (laughs) these guys on our staff most on our staff are part timers it's easy to have excuses not to give let me just say that I've never regretted partnering with God's best for finances don't let excuses shut out God's purposes for your blessing and for blessing this house that he has got his hand on and a big vision for and like I have seen our staff have seen incredible breakthroughs personally because we've done courageous things with our finances And I want to call you into that. I want to call you up today, up the mountain. And, like, you know, there's there's probably Philistines up there, like, going, nah, nah, you can't afford to do that. Look, what do you think you're going to do? You're going to get nailed if you give that kind of money. But the cool thing is, is that you've got a group of people in this church who have gone up, started a disturbance already, created a victory, seen financial breakthrough in their own lives, and you can just come and join the party, liberate a region, and see the poverty spirit kicked in the butt so that Jesus can reign. (laughs) I don't know what I feel right now. Excited and nervous. (laughs) Don't miss out on the agreement that God's calling you to have. And I know I've given you a good shotgun this morning of many different things to take home. But I specifically want to ask you today not to leave with condemnation or like, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's insane. Um, <laughs> if you only knew. I want you to leave today with, hey, God, how can I respond? How can I respond in this out? What does it look like for me to take a step of faith in this arena in my life? What does it look like for me to come into agreement with your word? And is your word really your word? If your word is your word, then, like, God, help us. We want to trust him and go where his word is calling us to go. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that's happening.